Welcome to Inner Revolutionary Radio with your host, Beth Green. This is James Maynard, your co-host. This week's topic, God, Hierarchy, and Blown Opportunities. Breaking the addiction to God and opening the channels to be sourced. Spiritual or not, this show is for you. What does it mean to be addicted to God? What's the alternative? Almost all of us are being blocked from the universal energies that could support us to be more well, happy, and beneficial to others. And boy, do we need those energies. Most of us are stressed and stretched to the max and could use a little wholeness, well-being, and inner power. But to achieve these states, we have to get beyond hierarchical ways of relating to God and one another and instead start learning to tap into the power of the universe. And that's not easy, especially when our whole paradigm of God the Father blocks us from doing just that. How does God the Father block us from the source? How can we shift our paradigm and learn how to connect to the universal energies that support us all? Religious, spiritual, atheist, you're invited to stay tuned and learn more about universal power, how to experience it and channel it to others. So here we are. So let's start experiencing some of these positive energies right on the air. And now here's Beth. And now here's Christine. Christine Benton is going to be interviewing me. And uh, and as soon as she asks me a question, then I'll know what the answer is. Because when I get a question, I get sourced with the answer. <laughs> so why we need her to ask me questions. So say hi, Christine, before we get on to the news of the inner revolution. Hi. Hello. Welcome, everybody. And welcome, Christine. Okay, so those of you who are not familiar with our show, The Inner Revolution is about a shift of consciousness in a planetary way for a to oneness, accountability, and mutual support. And that's what we mean by The Inner Revolution in three simple words. So every time we have a show, James gives us the news of The Inner Revolution. Take it away, James. Okay. After watching some of the grim events of the day, how would you like some good news? Well, yeah. we've got some. Yeah, yeah, we, yeah we've yeah. got some for you today. Yeah. The first two relate to the environment. This first one was, was submitted by our producer, Christine. That's this very Christine Benton that we just introduced you to. And it's from Quartz.com, dated May the 10th. Get this. Germany had so much renewable energy on May the 8th that it had to pay people to use electricity. <laughs> Imagine that. Yeah. On Sunday, May the 8th, Germany hit a new high in renewable energy generation. Thanks to a sunny and windy day, at one point around 9 at 1 p.m., the country's solar, wind, hydro, and biomass plants were supplying about 55 gigawatts of the 63 gigawatts being consumed, or 87%. Power prices actually went negative for several hours, meaning commercial customers were being paid to consume electricity. Germany plans to hit 100% renewable energy by 2050, and Denmark's wind turbines already at some points generate more electricity than the country consumes, exporting the surplus to Germany, Norway, and Sweden. Hey guys, I think we have plenty of wind and sun in the USA. What's with us? Yeah, that's what that's I want to know. Isn't it? Really? Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. Now, I mean, well, and they say yeah. it's like, oh, this can't be done. Anyway. <laughs> right. <laughs> and now regarding, regarding the transition from fossil fuels. This story was reported by NPR on May the 6th. Its title is From Coal to Code, a new path for laid-off miners in Kentucky. Fewer than 6,000 coal miners remain in the state where the coal industry is shrinking fast. More than 10,000 coal workers have been laid off since 2008. 
Businesses are innovating to use former coal workers in new ways. Rusty Justice is one of the owners of BitSource, a year-old tech startup in Pikeville, Kentucky. He decided to tap the region's workforce of laid-off coal miners and teach them a new skill, software coding. He put up ads and got nearly a 1,000 applicants. Ten were hired. Of those, nine still remain. They're saying, we're not shipping coal out of here anymore. We're shipping code. The broadband's our highway, our shipping lanes, our trains. I love that story, but it's, you know... It's the good and the bad and the, oh, I don't know, because, you know, there's thousands of people, 10,000 people out of work, and they've produced 10 new jobs. But I think, you know, so I'm not going to go, oh, whoopee-doo, you know. But what I would say is that this is the way we should be thinking about it. You know, people think that we should hang on to things that don't work because we're so terrified that we won't have them anymore instead of looking forward to other opportunities. I mean, that has been the whole story, I think, around the transition to clean energy. People are freaking out about loss of uh, income, uh, corporations having to switch over. But instead of looking at it as a great opportunity, what else can we do? And what else can these people in Kentucky do? You know, it's um, Working in a coal mine wasn't that great of a gig. You know what I mean? <laughs> so uh, why should we be hanging on to that as though that was something really, really wonderful? That just shows you how limited we get in our thinking and how locked up we get and how blocked we are in thinking creatively. So, okay, this is just a little story, but I'm sure there's others like it. And I think it really is the point. Don't send people back into the coal mines. Find something better for us to do. Even such as shortening the work week. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Good, good idea. All right, James, go okay. on with the news. Okay, now here are a couple of stories about the movement toward oneness. It's from The Guardian, May the 6th. Oregon outlines sweeping protections for transgender students. In contrast to the intense anti-LGBT policies in other states, Oregon officials say schools should protect students' rights to use bathrooms that match their identities. Oregon's Department of Education, which sets standards for 197 public school districts, published extensive protocols on Thursday aimed at creating a safe and supportive school environment for transgender students by allowing them access to appropriate restrooms, locker rooms, and sports teams, and by respecting their preferred names and gender pronouns. The state issued the 15-page report in the same week that the Justice Department informed North Carolina that its controversial anti-trans bathroom bill, which forces trans people to use restrooms that correspond to the sex assigned to them at birth, violates the U.S. Civil Rights Act and is unenforceable. Advocates state that it also increases rates of suicide among trans youth. In April, Mississippi passed a law that allows businesses to discriminate against same-sex couples and asserts that transgender people should be classified as members of the gender assigned to them at birth, even if their gender identity is different now. There are now more than 40 anti-trans bills under consideration in 17 states. So bravo for Oregon. Yay! Which, Yay. Hap which happens to be where we live. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Not that we're proud or anything. <laughs> and by the way, 
The U.S. Senate Tuesday unanimously confirmed Eric Fanning to be chief of the U.S. Army, making him the first openly gay leader of a U.S. military branch. Way to go. Yeah. Regarding transgenders, here's a different kind of news. This from The Guardian, May the 11th. Transgender politician wins seat in Philippines Parliament. Geraldine Roman has celebrated overcoming bigotry, hatred, and discrimination, that's her quote, after becoming the first transgender politician to win a congressional seat in the predominantly Catholic Philippines. She said, what triumphed was the politics of love, acceptance, and respect after she took her seat in Congress. She made that statement. After her victory on, in Monday's election, Romans being hailed by the lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgender community as a source of hope in a country where church influence means divorce, abortion, and same-sex marriage are banned. Geraldine Roman vows to campaign against restrictions stopping Filipinos from changing their name and gender after her historic victory. You know, speaking about abortion, which you weren't, but it was included there, I just read in the news that Oklahoma, tell me if I'm wrong about these, I think it was Oklahoma, is, is passing a bill or trying to pass a bill making it illegal for a doctor to perform an abortion. Wow. That they could get prison sentences. And, and there is a question, I mean, uh, excuse me, isn't the Roe v. Wade still the law of the land, you know? Mm-hmm. Anyway, just... It is. It just goes on and on and on. Okay. Yeah. Uh, we said we were sticking to the happy stuff today. <laughs> All right. Go on with the happy stuff. Okay. Now, one more story that shows that many people are overcoming prejudice, this time regarding Muslims. It was submitted by to us by Christine, and it came from BuzzFeed News on May the 6th. British Labour Party's Sadiq Khan has been elected mayor of London becoming the first Muslim mayor of a major European capital city following a campaign that was dominated by his opponent's negative tactics. Khan beat his conservative rival, Zach Goldsmith, by an astonishing 65% to 35% in an election marked by an unexpectedly high turnout. Khan used his victory speech to call for greater unity in London following a divisive campaign. He said, Fear does not make us safer, it only makes us weaker. And the politics of fear is simply not welcome in our city. In the process, he will become the most powerful labor politician currently holding elective office in the United Kingdom. Beth? Well, I think that is amazing. And I'll tell you one of the reasons. All the stories that we had been hearing about England and about Great Britain, but mostly England, um, were talking about the terrible problems between Muslims and non-Muslims. Didn't you hear all those stories? And yeah. What? Oh, yeah. Oh, that in London there are no, you know, no Christian zones and all that. And here, look at this. It's simply not true. In fact, in that same article, I read that they said that Britain has much more assimilation than many of the other European nations in terms of uh, Muslims and non-Muslims. So, you know, be careful what you read, especially if you're seeing it on Facebook or on the Internet. Or, and and when, we, when we have uh, run any kind of show or I've written any blogs that relate to Islam in any way, we, oh, we tend to get horrible, horrible negative comments from people, including people in Great Britain, who talk about how horrible it is there. And so... It makes you wonder which 
Great Britain they're living in. Which London they're living in. I don't know. I, I don't know. So I'm very happy to hear that. This is so positive. You know, this is all about the inner revolution, right? Oneness means we get it that we're all one. It's about time that we stop trying to divide ourselves into gay and straight and Muslim and Christian and male and female and whatever, right? And accountability means that we are held accountable for what we do to ourselves, to one another, and to the earth itself, which is all part of the climate change issue. And, um, you know, finally, we are about mutual support, which is we support the whole and the whole supports us. And we love to see stories that show that there is some movement of consciousness in that direction because there's plenty going the other way. (laughs) Okay. So with no further ado, I'm going to turn this show over to Christine. Great. Um, What I would like, though, is to ask James to share the phone number because today is a call-in show. Um, So if you're listening live, please call in. Um, uh, Whether or not you know what you're calling about, we're going to get into the topic in a minute, but about this topic (laughs) of being addicted to God and opening the channels to the source. So I'm sure Beth is going to have a lot of great, great insights. So James. Okay, then. Yeah, if you'd like to call in with a question or a comment, please call us at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Fantastic. So, Beth, the first question for you is, what does that mean, being addicted to God? Oh, uh, well, you know, being addicted means we thoughtlessly, with no consciousness, have to have something no matter what the consequence is upon us. So if you're addicted to God and you're addicted to the approval of God, then you're going to do whatever you think God wants you to do. And you're not even open up to what God might want you to do, really, uh, whatever God is. And there's no inquiry and there's just... there's. A fear behind that, which is, oh, if I do the wrong thing, if I don't behave, then uh, God isn't going to approve of me and I'm addicted to God's approval. And that a lot of that comes from the fact that we see God as a projection of human consciousness. So basically, we think we know what God thinks we should be doing, and then we live our lives according to that. That's right. And because we want God's approval so much, we, we do that. You know, we're not even thinking. We're not even using the brains that God gave us. Aha. Uh-huh. So what are some of the ways that you've observed that in people? Which? The, the hierarchy or the addiction? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, I see, you know, when people are walking around talking about the Lord, mm-hmm. the Lord, you know, and they're using the Lord. Uh, as a way of making everybody uh-huh. behave in a certain way, you know, yeah. they it's like they have this personal relationship with a God that's going to punish everybody that they think is wrong. <laughs> and they're hiding behind that, the Lord, and they're disguising their prejudice, their anger, their pain, their bigotry, their uh, sexual uh, deviation and all of that. They're hiding all of that behind the Lord, or Allah, or whatever it is. And, you know, they, they use it to justify absolutely everything they do. And I was thinking that. And denial, and go into denial, right? Because you totally. just can't. Yeah. 
Totally. And, you know, they look through some, quote, sacred text and they drag some sentence out that says that, you know, that sodomy is an abomination, no matter how it was correctly or incorrectly translated, or they'll find something in the Quran that justifies beheading people or whatever, and they don't look at things in context, but they are just using God as a crutch, which is another thing that we do with our addictions. You know, we Mm -hmm. use uh, addictions as a crutch to help us to survive in our world. So let's say... I, I'm really terrified. Uh, I don't have any confidence in myself, but I know that God will protect me. God will always make everything come out all right. You know, and so there's another way that the addiction shows up, that we're using God as a crutch, to, and we don't look honestly at what is going on, what our part is, and what we can do about it. It kind of makes us helpless and weak. Yeah, and you talked, you know, I, we have a caller, so I'm going to get to her in just a moment, but about blocking the channels to be sourced. So I could see if we were justifying in a denial, then we couldn't really be open to anything else happening. Well, that's right. And uh, what I'd like to do before our caller gets on the air, and I don't want to shut her up for long, is that, <laughs> you know, to me, the difference is this, and let me just put it uh, simply. When we think of God as a person, as an extension of human consciousness, God is a man, typically. But even if God becomes a woman, it doesn't make any difference. We, in our minds, we see God as an extension of ourselves. It's like we anthropomorphize God, right? Yeah. And, we, and so then we think, well, I know how to manipulate my father, Oh, all I had to do is smile and act sweet and flatter him. So mm-hmm. that's how I'm going to handle God because, after all, God is the Father. And I'm ta- when I talked about being addicted, I was talking about being addicted to God the Father, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. God the Father is this creature, is this entity that is going to make everything all right. It's like de- Father knows best, right, if you ever... We're, we're alive in the 50s. There was that TV show, Father Knows Best. Mm-hmm. So Father Knows Best, you say, you say, Father, what should we do? And it's like, Father Knows Best. And we don't use our brains at all. And in addition to that, we know, we learned at an early age just how to get Father's approval. So mm-hmm. you know, if we're girls, for example, we might be, uh, you know, sweet and coquettish or devoted or sincere or whatever game we learn to play. Mm-hmm. Or if we're boys, we may be macho, we may go out there and, you know, show dad that we're real men or whatever the hell that means. And so those kinds of things we do that we learned a long time ago is going to work uh, with our fathers or with a, a, another kind of man, a man, let's say, uh, we're looking to be in a relationship. What are we looking for? Well, we're looking for our father figure who's going to make everything okay, who might help us with our career, or who's going to provide money, be the provider, is like mm-hmm. be the source for us. So there are so many different um, mm-hmm. ways that we can project onto God what we are looking for in people. But we want God to be infallible, uh, omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent, and give us what we want. So what we get into is this all these... Uh, may I sloppily use the word neurotic behaviors, (laughs) 
that we've used with people and now we project it onto God. Now, I'll give you an example. Let's say you've got a God. Gee, I just got blocked and I can't figure out why, where I, where my brain just... Well, maybe as you're getting that thought, I was just going to say I oh. can so relate. So, okay, you got oh, it back. Oh, great. Yes, I did. Yeah. It's like... Why do people make deals with God? They said, I went and I prayed and I said, God, if you save my son, I will devote the rest of my life to the church or whatever it is, or the Mm -hmm. synagogue or whatever. So, or I will stop drinking or whatever. Why do we do that? That's because we see God as a person who makes bargains. (laughs) Right. Now, I'm going to tell you, God is not a person. (laughs) God is a force, is the creative force behind the universe. And that's what I mean by God. And I don't always use the word God, but in this context, I will use. Now, I tell you, you stand in front of the waterfall and you will feel that power as it pounds down. And there's so much energy, you know, as the Chinese call it, chi. Mm -hmm. And that power is so palpable and you have that sense of, well-being and you're feeling it personally but is the waterfall giving it to you personally did the waterfall say oh if you (laughs) give uh, you know tithe to the innerrevolution.org and I do suggest that everybody that you tithe to the innerrevolution.org if you do that then I'm going to give you chi no Uh, (laughs) the waterfall keeps sourcing us and that's the point That is what God really is. It's a source. It is the source. And when we learn how to tap into that source, then we are being empowered for the good. But there's no deals. There's no bargains because there's no body. And I don't know if you need to get into this now because we have more callers, but there is no real way to totally control that source. Like I think some people then say, well, there is the source and then I'm going to make it manifest into, you know, all of my dreams come true. Nonsense. Um, Nonsense. I mean, there is, and and as we get later into the show, I would like to talk about, you know, feeling the guidance of the source or seeing things being moved by the source. But no, that is not for us. We may align our intention with what is going to happen anyway, and then we think we manifested something. <laughs> right. So I could totally see myself sitting in front of the waterfall doing my homework and getting my homework done on time. <laughs> <laughs> and therefore, I should get chi. And if it doesn't give me what I want, you know, exactly. I've been good, right? Exactly. And I am mad. So, exactly. Exactly. Um, and that's the other part of it is that when we think of God as a person, we also see God as punitive as people are. Mm-hmm. So exactly. Maybe yeah. we should okay. open to a few. Let's calls, talk. I could talk for an hour. Yeah, yeah, I know. Let's, uh, and, but we want to hear your perspective I with will. our callers. So, Hi. Helen, Helen from California. Hi. Thank you for the show. Um, does it follow then that people who want to prove that they don't have to listen or please God are also addicted to God? Oh, my God, that's such a great question, Helen. Uh, It's like it's addicted to proving that they are God. 
Mm. So that's a different way. I mean, some people are addicted to pleasing God and, uh, you know, manipulating God. And some people are addicted to their survival mechanism is to prove that they don't need anybody, including God, and that they are God. And they are the source. And they're the ones who are going to make things happen. So I don't know if that answers your question, but that equally blocks you because how can you connect to the source if you think that you are the source? Then you're not looking to connect to anything that's greater than yourself. Then you're not open to anything. No, nor can you connect to the source if you keep projecting onto God those human qualities and you keep trying to figure out how to manipulate it, then you're not just going for the connection and the power that comes from that. Right. Okay. Did you have another question? Nope. Okay. Feels feels like you do. Yeah. I was about to say, call back in. (laughs) Um, Yeah, Um, Helen. Go ahead. There was something behind that question. Mm-hmm. A question behind the question that you asked. Well, does it have something to do with um, being afraid to surrender to a power greater than ourselves? Exactly. That's exactly what it has to do with. So that mm-hmm. becomes the addiction to control. Mm-hmm. The addiction is to control the universe, as opposed to surrender. And surrender doesn't mean we resign ourselves to any lousy circumstance or bad behavior. It has nothing to do with it. It's just acknowledging that that waterfall is pretty darn powerful and that we can either try to harness that power for the good or we are hitting our heads up against it. And if we think we are the source, then we are extremely delusional. And that usually comes from some horribly painful experience where, let's say, our, you know, the people who raised us were extremely domineering and we grew up with this feeling of, I'm going to fight back. Or sometimes when we're raised by people who are extremely domineering, we just become resigned and get manipulative. So there's all kinds of motivations for that. But yes, it's like I'm afraid to surrender to a power that's greater than myself because my experience is that it's trying to hurt me, that mm-hmm. it is trying to control me. But once you get it, that it is the energy, then that energy can be incorporated into us and we can begin to, um, I don't want to use the word use because in human consciousness, use means, oh, I want to be cow, so I'm going to use the source and I'm going to get it. It's not mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. It's not like that. It's it's like to move you, the universe forward in consciousness, to move humanity forward in consciousness, to be helpful, to help things to move in a direction that is, supports the highest good. That's what I mean by we can use that tremendous power. And, of course, then we get our needs met, and only then. That's right. Cause there, uh, because if we don't, we're in a constant battle to prove our own empowerment, and that turns us into shrill, hysterical, uh, anxiety-ridden nutcases. <laughs> yeah, that's all. Controlling nutcases, and it's all futile. It's all futile. No matter how many wrinkles you try to get rid of, you're still getting old. <laughs> thank okay, you. Thank you very much. Thanks, Thanks, Helen, for calling. 
I have a question for you, Beth, and we do have a couple other callers too, so keeping this all in mind, but I'm wondering if you could tell us about some of your practices for being open to the source. I know you have a great Life Force program, which is on your YouTube channel. Oh, Um, I'm so glad you mentioned that because anybody can do that for free. Mm -hmm. And could you tell there's an auto response? Oh, we haven't sent that, uh, put up that Life Force yet that explains what Life Force is and allows people to subscribe and get a right. Life Force a week. But you can go to YouTube and you will see under Life Force we have many playlists. There is, I don't know how many programs that you can use to start connecting and you don't have to be special and you don't have to be good and you don't have to be smart and you don't have to be moral and you don't have to be anything and you don't have to be strong physically but you just have to follow these simple directions and you will start connecting to that vital energy that brings you both relaxation and energy. It's very, very miraculous. So that's one terrific way to uh, connect to that source. And I don't know how I got this connection. (laughs) I do know that I live a very clean life. I don't... Uh, drink. I don't smoke. I don't eat sugar. I don't drink caffeine. Uh, I, uh, you know, th- uh, there's a lot of dietary restrictions, and I also try to work on myself and clear as many of my ocean- emotional blocks and psychological blocks and oh, uh, my opinions, and all of that has really helped me. But I can tell you that for me, it's something that just turned on that I had that mm-hmm. connection, that I could hear the inner voice, but that I could also channel this chi. But I've seen people develop it when I have been done counseling with people, had them in groups. People are able to increase their capacity no matter what stage you're at. Mm-hmm. You can increase your capacity, but the number one thing is you have to let go of all of your opinions in order for you to connect to the source because if you don't, that is the number one block that stops you from being guided is thinking you already know. By, by the way, that, that YouTube site is uh, Beth Green TV. Yes, thank the, you, James. Uh, thank yes, you. and I can give a plug for Life Force as well. As people can probably tell by listening, Beth has a pretty uncannily amazing way of translating um, energy into something that we can absorb. Um, so let's talk, let's hear from Lizzie in San Diego. We have a few more callers here. Hi, everybody. Uh, hi. Hi. I wasn't sure what I was going to say when I called in, but as I was listening, I'm just aware that I feel very nauseated. <laughs> I know exactly so, why you feel nauseated. Yeah. I mean, no, I shouldn't take that. I'll tell you the first piece of it, because I have started turning on the chi. Mm. And uh, if you just sit there, you'll notice that it's already starting to, it has been starting. And it's beginning to hit a block in you that is, that where you're in an inner conflict about letting it go. And what do you think that block is? Uh, does it have anything to do with growing up Catholic? It does. <laughs> <laughs> You know, even though I have studied this concept that God's not perfect, you know, something completely different than Catholicism, I'm glad this is coming up because I feel that it has, I feel like I haven't been able to totally take it in and let go of the old. 
Well, my suggestion to you, Lizzie, is to get out of your head and just think of yourself at a waterfall and feel that cleansing, powerful energy if we haven't polluted the river that goes over that fall. (laughs) You know, we are really bad. You know, we humanity, you know, we've got a long way to go. Uh, We got a lot to make up for. But um, just think about that when you think about the source or God. Think about a waterfall. And then you will realize that it has absolutely nothing to do with any of the dogma, the doctrine, or all the teaching. It doesn't mean that people shouldn't talk about ethical behavior. But we would call that doing what is for the highest good of all, including myself. And that's what we would talk about. And it's not about, oh, you shouldn't masturbate. Uh, You know what I mean? It's like... Maybe that's something that you that isn't healthy for you because it doesn't support you. But then, if that is the case, then you look at why are you doing it. But but it's not it's not about morality. It's not about sin, and it's not about punishment. And that is like whoa, right in there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <sighs> yeah. <sighs> Thanks, Lizzie. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have another caller. We have Amy in San Diego. Hi. Uh, my question has changed over time as things have been discussed already. <laughs> but Good. Uh, what I noticed is by making God a person, particularly a father figure, it takes us out of the realm of being responsible for what we do because we're either doing something to appease God or to run away or explain something away. Um, that there's no responsibility on our part, that and is we're not being guided um, right. because we're right. doing what we've been told God wants. You're so right. You're so right. And then to make it, uh, to compound this, what happens is that people have this idea that God is the perfect father, mm-hmm. and then they want men to fall into that role. Mm-hmm. Or it could be even that God is the perfect mother or the delicious, sexy woman, whatever projection we have. So it works both ways. We're dissatisfied with people because they don't fit what God, they're not godly. And we are really ultimately dissatisfied with God because God is not doing what we want or is not doing as expected. And then we're always having crises of faith. Oh, I'm going through another crisis of faith. Because, you know, my child was killed. Well, of course, your child, you're going to grieve when your child is killed. But if you have this idea that this, you have this perfect God that's not going to let anything bad happen to you, then you're going to have a crisis of faith instead mm-hmm. of just being miserable and grieving that your child is dead. Mm-hmm. Or you're feeling guilty because you must have done something wrong or God wouldn't have taken your child. Or you give your, feed yourself pablum and say, well, my child is in heaven now. You know, and you rob yourself of the opportunity to grieve too. So it distorts all those relationships and it distorts our, and, and, and disempowers our ability to learn how to live with reality. Right. And, and you wrote something about um, that we're taught, among other things, that God never gives us more than we can handle. And then we turn that on ourselves if it turns out that we can't handle. That's right. That's just another one of those nonsensical precepts about God. God never gives you... And I mean, I said, if that were true, why are people getting sick? 
Why are people right. mentally ill? Why is starving. there a post-traumatic stress right. disorder? Why are people starving? Right. That doesn't make any sense. Right. And that means it's your fault. Exactly. And it just goes into a vicious cycle. God still stays perfect and all loving, so it must be us. Exactly. 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 It is the birth of shame. It is the birth of separation because we are separate from the God that we have created to be above us. So Right. And it's not about discovering. It's about I already know. Yeah. So, well, thank you yeah. very much. And then we have to stuff oh. our feelings because if we are resentful and aren't happy with our lives, then that's bad too because it's an affront to God, right? But if you think of God as that waterfall, you think the waterfall <laughs> is... I tell you. Thank you, Amy. <laughs> Great conversation. Thank you. Oh, that is, that, that's great. Because when you were talking with Amy, and, and thank you, Amy... I got the sense that we're not really communicating with each other. We're just talking to our image of God. Yeah. Yeah. Um, for okay. a purpose. For a purpose. Right. In order to get something. So our next caller is Tracy from Phoenix, Arizona. Hi, guys. Hi, Tracy. Hi. Hi. Thanks for taking my call. Yeah, I was listening. I feel like... Um, I feel like I have been making some shifts away from that image of God as, you know, perfect, all-loving, etc. But I know that on some level I still hang on to it, and I notice that when I'm most desperate, that's when I go back to it. You know, there's this kind of, like, internal begging for saving, you know, God, please save me. Like, okay, I haven't related to you in this way, you know, in a long time, but I'm so desperate, you know, please, Mm. you know, help me. And I just wonder... How do you shift out of that? Because in that moment where you feel so vulnerable and you, you know, truthfully, probably there is no saving. You know, maybe it's adjusting to that. But I know that's where I, I find myself in that space the most when I feel like I'm in, I'm just desperate. Oh, yeah. me too, Tracy. I can regress also. But let me address that because you're bringing up an issue that I wanted to talk about anyway, which is... It doesn't mean that you can't ask the universe for help to stop making God the Father. Mm. There is power Mm -hmm. in the universe that we can connect to. Mm. So So what what does that sound like or look like or, you know, how can you do that in a way that isn't in that old energy of begging for, you know, daddy to come save you? Well, first of all, sometimes you just have to say help, <laughs> you know, because that's human, you know, and you do need help and we all need help. And we could, sometimes we could say, I have no idea what to do here. Would you please? Now, who are we talking that? I, this is such a good question. Um, you know, can I have a clue here about what I'm supposed to do? You see, just because God is not the Father doesn't mean that God is not wise. What do I mean by that? There is no, in a sense, there is no God the way we think of God. But there is something that I call higher consciousness, right? I'm not the only one who's called it higher consciousness. There is higher consciousness in the universe. It's just not Daddy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, you know, I think... You know, I'm not really sure what to do here. Uh, any, any, you know, any messages, any guidance there? We, I'd really appreciate it. 
Uh, that is not mean manipulating. I'm not saying to God, oh, daddy, daddy, you're so handsome. You're so wonderful. I love you so. And by the way, would you put bread on the table because we're hungry? But it's like, you know, I really would appreciate some help here because we're all starving mm-hmm. and I don't know what to do about it. And you just put it out like that and it's a statement. But there is no pulling. Mm-hmm. You see, that's mm-hmm. re- recognition of the obvious, which is there and is an intelligence greater than my own. So going back to what Helen was asking about earlier when she said, well, you know, is it really just this fear of surrendering to a power greater than ours? You darn tootin' rootin'. And also, there is an intelligence greater than our own as well. And I know that because I have been tapped into that intelligence in a very conscious way since 1980. And it has guided me sometimes down some pretty awful paths where I get bitten by dogs. But ultimately, (laughs) I have been brought through. And one of the things that I've learned about working with that divine intelligence is never get attached to anything that I hear. For instance, I may hear, well, okay, Beth, you're supposed to buy that house. So I start trudging down that road towards buying the house. And then uh, three steps later, it's like I bump into a, uh, you know, a big boulder. And I said, hmm, what does that mean? Does that, is that a block or is that a directional signal? Does that mean that this is something that I have to get through or does that mean that I'm going the wrong way? And uh, that is a huge issue for all of us when we're going for guidance. Do not ever get attached to what you think you're getting at any given moment. It may just be to get you going. So maybe I'm, in fact, there's some things in my Living with Reality book, which is free on, at our website at theinnerrevolution.org, um, you know, about that, about how that works. You know, you think you're going to buy that house, and in the process, you discover that there's fiber optic internet in the house next door, but if you hadn't gone for that house, you wouldn't have made the phone call to the company that provides the fiber that tells you that it's, oh, my goodness, there's fiber optics in the house next door. And then as you start to go towards the house next door, you get blocked because uh, the person who you're in escrow with drops out and doesn't buy your house. And then you discover that fiber optic is coming to your house two days later. So <laughs> you don't buy anything. You see what I mean? It's like when you really get it, that there is an intelligence, that there is a wisdom, we can follow that guidance. But when, we're, when we get into that daddy, goddy, blah, 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 and we start using God as like, I know this because God told me, which is all part of the syndrome, then we get all hung up and we don't let the river flow. Mm-hmm. See, you know, if we go from the waterfall, we go into the river and that is flowing. And it just keeps moving, but we want to keep everything static and simple. It's like, oh, I know what God wants from me. It's in verse 32, you know. It's like, (laughs) no, you have no idea what, quote, God wants from you. You know, it's, and and you'll find out it's an evolving situation. Plus God, God's self is evolving. So, I I don't want to get too, Mm -hmm. I mean, I, this could be a six-week conversation and I'm just putting out snippets. But for you, Tracy, it's of course you need help. We all need help. God can speak to us or that higher consciousness or the source can speak to us through you're driving down the road and you see a billboard and there's your answer. Or something comes to you through your inner voice. Or you 
bump along and something, you bump into something as you're bumping along, which gives you the next piece of guidance. So I believe that we should go for guidance, but the guidance isn't because we're good. Mm-hmm. We get the guidance because we, can, we are listening. Mm-hmm. Because mm. we stop being afraid of having our lives disrupted. Because one of the things about the power of the waterfall is I don't want to be... I got, we just saw I'm in the waterfall thing because we were at a waterfall uh, and it was huge. I mean, it was a 120-foot waterfall with a giant river going over it. And then it went cascading down for miles in rapids. It was so powerful. I wouldn't stand under that thing and say, bless me, oh, Lord, bless me. Because, you know, you would get smashed. You know, you get sm- Have a little common sense. You don't stand under it and, and you know... Try to have that kind of experience with it, mm-hmm. but let the power, let the power come through you. Let it clear away the nonsense that's in our minds. Let us cleanse, let it help cleanse us of the pathological patterning that we have unfortunately gotten stuck with and this in no way means that we don't have to take action. Of course we do, but it's the guidance for how we should act. I want that guidance to come from a higher level of consciousness, consciousness than my own. Otherwise, I'm just going to be repeating the same old nonsense over and over. That was excellent. I hope that answered yeah. your question, Tracy. Probably oh in more. <laughs> that was so powerful. Thank you. That was amazing. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So I have been um, channeling some chi, and I don't, can you feel it? Yes. Okay. Now, I would like to have our uh, listeners tune in to this chi. Now, it doesn't matter if you're listening live or you're hearing this 100 years from now. It really makes no difference. When it comes to these kind of energies, there's no time or uh, space. Mm-hmm. It's like life force. I could have done that life force video five years ago, two years ago, seven years ago. It wouldn't make any difference. It's like it's happening now. That is something I cannot explain. And there's so much about this that I can't explain. I could just tell you what I've learned and you know w- what my experience is. But that she, it doesn't matter. You can be sitting here. You could be listening to this podcast in a sewer. And it's still there. Now, are you going to feel it? Maybe. Some people are, can't feel it because they're constitutionally blocked. Some people can't feel it because they don't want to, because they're afraid that they're going to discover there's something in the universe that's outside of their box. Mm-hmm. And uh, some people need more exposure to start tuning into it. But it's like anything. You start tuning in and tuning in, and the more you tune in the stronger you can experience it. And some people feel it right away. Now, if I were touching you, you'd probably feel it. But um, whether you feel it or not, I want you to know it is there. And I am going to picture you, and I'd like you to imagine you're looking at my eyes. Now, I know that most of you have seen my picture on Inner Revolutionary Radio. I'm the old lady. So... um, Imagine yourself looking into my eyes. 
And Christine, tell me if this is working, if you feel that it's getting stronger. It's been building for like 20 minutes, it feels like. Oh, good. And let go of any idea in your head. And just let yourself feel, if you can, and don't feel bad if you don't feel it because it works anyway. Let yourself feel yourself like you're in the presence of a waterfall. Can I say something about it? Yes, please. Well, I was going to say there's a feeling that comes with it too. Like there is an energetic experience, but there's a feeling of peacefulness. And I can imagine that um, I'm just thinking of you counseling people. I've, I've observed in this radio show today twice with Helen knowing that she had another question and also with Lizzie knowing what, uh, why she was nauseous. Mm-hmm. Um, you've had like insight for people that was very intuitive. Mm-hmm. And I can imagine being in this energy would help people to be open to hearing that and receiving that too. Absolutely. For them to develop their own intuitive knowing, yes. Because again, you have to have no opinions, no judgments. It doesn't mean that you never say, oh, this is bad. But in the moment that you're trying to tune in, you can't say, oh, this would be bad, so I don't want to hear it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. You know, you just have to be willing to open yourself and let this chi flow. And I'm glad that you're speaking about it because really I don't know what it's like to feel it from the other end. You know, it's very I'm, calming. Mm-hmm. Good. And it's like my mind is becoming quieter. <sighs> and I have one more question that I don't even know if you can answer. You may have been asking the universe the same question forever. Yeah. Which is, why do we hang on to that old God so desperately and um, so forcibly block, you know, higher consciousness, chi, energy? The power of the source. It's because we are born with egos and then our egos are fed and our souls are not so by, you know, as you age, that ego, which is the sense of separation, this is the ego in, in a couple of words is, is the, the uh, experiencing ourselves as separate from the whole. And that we all experience that it's very normal. And in a sense, it is true. In some ways, we are separate from the whole. On the other hand, we aren't. And when you start to experience the chi energy and when you want to connect to that source, you give up that individual special identity that you have used all your life to get what you think you need. Like, I'm the prettiest, I'm the cutest, I'm the smartest, I'm the strongest, I'm the most macho, I'm the most violent, uh, I'm the biggest, I'm the biggest braggart, I'm the biggest bully on the block. And all those ways that we have, or we have the most manipulative, all the ways that we have tried to gain power from people, from God, from the universe, we have to let that all go. That's the ego's way. But we haven't been trained that way. Everything in us that has been fed has been the ego that says I'm separate. And once you 
if you, when you make that shift over and you want to embrace that waterfall, you see that you're not special. You're not the prettiest. You're not the most anything. You're certainly not the power on the planet. You just become one with everything. And you've been taught that that's a dangerous way to be and that you will not get your needs met. And yet the truth is, the opposite is the case. So it looks like we're coming to a close. Uh, Christine, would you like to have James go on and then when he finishes that we can come back and see if there's anything more? I I just wanted to say one thing, which is I just felt feel like people have gotten a little bit, hopefully, of an experience of that um, energy that you're channeling. So just remind people to check out Life Force. And also, yes. you mentioned your book, Living with Reality, um, and it has a whole chapter on ego, instinct, and evolution, which I feel is very liberating to learn and understand, um, and that's on the innerrevolution.org. So, I do feel a little... And that's a free download. It and is, Life yeah. Force is free at Beth Green TV on YouTube. On YouTube, exactly. So, these are ways I just want to make sure to underscore so people yes. know that these are available. So, James, please tell us about next week. Okay, next week, addiction, drugs, sex, and more. Does punishment work? A conversation with Kara Dansky. It's not just drugs. There are many kinds of addictions, alcohol, sex, gambling, shopping, food, and more. And there are many kinds of punishment, from humiliation to incarceration. Sex addiction, for example, is heavily punished both by social humiliation and sometimes jail. People losing jobs, imprisonment for deviant behavior, lives ruined. But let's get real. Addiction is rampant. Again, look at sex addiction. 20% of United States men admit to accessing porn at work. 19% of all adults regularly surf for it. 47% of Christians said pornography is a major problem in the home. 10% of adults admit to internet sexual addiction. And believe it or not, one-third of online porn viewers are women. Should we punish addicts through humiliation or prison? What does punishment accomplish anyway? A meditation instructor, Kara Donsky, has spent many years in the criminal justice system, and she's questioning the punishment of addicts. Is she naive, or is treatment just common sense? So tune in and find out. Now for a final word. Christine? Actually, I was going to offer it to you for a final word. I just wanted to note that Kara's an ACLU attorney, and she, she has a lot of experience in um, over-imprisonating people for addiction. So I think it's going to be a great show next week. Um, but do you have anything you want to leave us with? Beth? Well, I think that uh, p- part of the, the reason that we're so ad- so addicted is that we have not learned to tune into the beneficial energies, but we're so busy uh, blaming ourselves, feeling guilty, uh, suppressing things, or flout- uh, flouting them, uh, which is the other side of suppression. It's like, well, the hell with you. You know, I'm going to... And all of that. And we're so unbalanced and we're so integrate- unintegrated and we're so desperate for this divine energy that makes us calm that helps us to be more relaxed to be either more accepting of what is and at the same time more activated it's i can't tell you how much 
this kind of connection to the source and the energy that is provided helps us and helps us to overcome those addictions and to fill us up so we aren't so desperate. So thank you. Beautiful. Thank you, Christine, so much. And thank you, James, and thank you to all of our Carlos, and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Inner Revolutionary Radio with Beth Green and James Maynard. The next episode will broadcast live next Thursday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. And don't forget Inner Revolutionary TV on voiceamerica.tv. Think outside the box and join us. We'll be right back.